0: Over at Nat Bailey Stadium, it's a nooner at the Nat People Show. Traveling today we'll be Traveling Kintec Studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. People Show brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online. At D-L-E-A-M-C dot com. Bick Nazar, Israel Fair, Dominic Shermati on location at Nat Bailey Stadium. Canadians versus Spokane. Later today, you'll hear it on these airwaves. Tyler Zicko with the call come 1 o'clock. we got a lot of fun. Till then, uh, Adam Mako will come by the booth. Canadians pitcher in the second hour of the show. Uh, we'll talk to Gary Smith from Jacksonville as well. Get an update on Nathan Rourke as the Jaguars end their preseason shortly and get ready for the upcoming season. A hype team, so we'll, we'll check in on what's going on in, in Jacksonville outside of just Nathan Rourke, but plenty to discuss with Gary coming up in about a half hour. Plus, it's a Friday. Uh, we got a shortened show today. We're combining some segments. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do like a combo mailbag slash confession Fridays. Uh, because it's a shortened show, send in whatever you want—mailbag, confession. We'll we'll try to do them both together in the back end of the show. Uh, but send it in six fifty, six fifty into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Izzy, what's happening?
1: Always great to be at the Nat. You know, we've been Love putting it. in work. Yeah, we we're remote yesterday, remote today. It's good to be here. Getting ready for the vibes here at Napoli Stadium. A lot of baseball on the station today. And yeah, we'll, we'll touch on some baseball in today's show but uh like you said bick
0: mailbag confession fridays get those in you've been messaging me these last two jays games just like told you i got the formula told ya. although belt hit a homer yesterday or is it two days ago no, it, was, it was yesterday Did he hit one yesterday yeah but no they didn't they two days ago they yeah it was just five singles. singles yeah but very much like need that that is advice they got some decisions through.
1: to make, man. They got some lineup decisions to make down the stretch here cuz the Mariners have made this very interesting by really inserting themselves not not just in the wild card conversation but they are firmly in the division conversation in the AL West which then now, you know, Texas, Houston, Seattle, Tampa Bay still has the second best record in the American League. The Blue Jays are going to be in tough and they're going to have to make some real lineup decisions. I said earlier this week, play play to your strengths. And maybe that strength is gone now. Maybe they just don't have the lineup depth to get that power hitting that they had. But they got to figure out whatever that is. Because this is two series now with Baltimore. The last one you mentioned, Vic, that they... They kind of got punked. Mm-hmm. It was very clear that one team in that series. The opportunity to win was what there their a lot was. In, in that first series. But Baltimore is a, a team. You talk yeah. about the identity part of it. Baltimore knows what what it is. From Toronto to this point, still figuring it out. You can't be at that point, which is why the Mariners have come in. And all they needed to do was support their pitching staff with some more consistent offense. They've gotten that and more. And the pitching has just remained there.
0: We'll get to that uh, later on in the show. Uh, again, Adam Mackle will join us. We'll touch on the Blue Jays uh, in the back end of the show, second hour, here till 1 o'clock before a nooner game versus Spokane. But uh, big news today games to talk about. Canada basketball thriving at the FIBA World Cup. 30 point dub. Huge. Over France. And getting ready for a game against Lebanon. Uh, which is on uh, Sunday morning, 2.30 a.m. Saturday night, basically. But Sunday morning, 2.30 a.m. Yeah, if I guess you you're not it. going to sleep before that, eh? Might as well just pull an all-nighter. Yeah. It's not a, a Sunday, Monday morning type yeah. scenario. You can just pull this Saturday all-nighter, watch the FIBA World Cup, 2.30 uh, a.m. local time. But thirty-point W for Canada opening up the World Cup. Now, uh, obviously, you know, news was made last week, Jamal Murray and all that sort of stuff. How is it going to? team progress. Uh, no hiccups for the team. The big one for me, too, is uh, SGA just yep. continues to, to thrive, and I, I think in hardcore basketball circles... People know how good he people is. People know. People absolutely know, but moments like this, this World Cup, the big stage, over. this helps. No doubt. This helps, and I, I think there's going to be an ascension at some point. Uh, it's It's... It feels like it's happening in real time now. And there, there's other good performances, obviously, today as well, which we'll touch on. But the exciting bit is here's another marquee Canadian basketball star now uh, in the NBA. No
1: doubt um, had a, a huge third quarter, which is where Canada made the, the push, the separating push uh, against France. And I caught all of the fourth quarter. It wasn't – it was just really impressive to mm-hmm. see – them having built this lead. Against good holding competition. Holding on to it and showing that, I think, that toughness. I mean, they've got a lot of big bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, Lou Dort, Dylan Brooks. Shea is, as you said, Bick, people that basketball heads know how good this guy is. All NBA. I, I, I know our guy
0: basketball Phil, texts in all the time. Yeah. Like SGA stats or something like that, getting ready for the he, he's People He's been world unbelievable. Cup. Yeah. And now this is an opportunity on the world stage
1: where – people have been waiting for this and not just in Canada. I saw tweets today from a lot of American basketball observers, American basketball reporters going, "Finally, this is the Canada team that might be able to take a shot at the US." And we've been talking about this since Andrew Wiggins was in college mm-hmm. a decade ago, right? Like this is this is a long time coming. It hasn't necessarily flown the way that people thought, but this group right here, they've got they can go eight deep very easily. They can play a couple of more guys as well, and the, they're they're impressive. That was a very, very impressive performance. I've
0: always believed – like, you know, in general, we always say, hey, prospects take time in general. Um, don't rush to conclusions. Now, some sports, it's harder to make that claim. Like football, you can tell pretty quick. Like, by season two, a guy is who he is. And, yeah, there can be growth, but usually – Physically, you can match up pretty early in the NFL by season two. I've always thought in the NBA, it takes six seasons to really see like the peak version of a player. Just because the game is so fast, you just mentally go through so much. The physical grind of it, 82 games, travel, all that, all the running. It, it just, you get your body built to a certain stage. Now once you get to that you know, season six, 25, 26 years old, right. it really starts to turn a corner. You can go through like every star-level player that has gone through this, like season six, season seven, yeah, they can explode early, but when they really start to make the breakthrough as far as meaningful impact on the NBA, winning series, yeah, competing for trophies. Not just putting up stats. Yeah, not just putting up stats. I'm talking like you're, you're, you're elevating yourself to a, a level where you, you now are like a, a dangerous player, and here we go, like SGA going into season six now, this season, is this start, that, that, that push where – you, you tear-jump, basically, and he's he's kind of been on the fringe of uh, the, the, the the true, like, I know Nick Wright does that uh, from, from, uh, from Fox Sports, that's yeah. the Superstar Club, mm-hmm. to, like, get into that stage of your NBA career, you're right on the precipice, and, yeah. it, it, like, in the NBA, it's tough, too, because people are so quick to write a guy off, and just like, oh, you're only going to be a three, and you're only this, you're only this, you keep pushing, you keep pushing, and eventually, y- your talent gets to a stage after you're six, you seven, uh, now you're ready to take that step. Uh, he looks primed to be the one. And obviously, look, he can score. We all know that. But now it's... it's 13 boards today. Yeah. He can obviously handle the ball.
1: He's a, a modern star. Length, defensive ability, can score. And this is uh, a great opportunity, a jumping off point. It, of course, would have been great to see a talent like Jamal mm-hmm. Murray on the roster. And I know that there were Canadian fans looking at that and going, well, that's two dominant ball-handling players between him and SGA. How are they going to end up splitting that up? Jamal Murray's already had his glow-up, if you will. He's coming off of the the NBA Mm -hmm. title. He was the second-best player on a title team, had a huge impact on a lot of their wins in the playoffs. SGA, as you just laid out, Bick, is the one on the Ascension. And this sets up with Jamal Murray being out. Which again, I think, if you're, a Cana- if you're if you're Team Canada or if you're a Canadian basketball fan, you want that kind of talent, of course, there yeah. because that's the kind of guy that can go off for 20 points in a quarter. SGA, from what we saw today, anyway, seems like this is the stage for that, and he could become a bigger household name. Not just here, but I think across the basketball world.
0: You know, we, we talked uh, last week to Michael Grange and just what it looks like here moving forward. It was in relation to Jamal Murray, you know, m- missing out on the World Cup. But looming over all this is Paris Olympics and what that's going to look like. You throw a backcourt of Jamal and Shea, all of a sudden, like that is a dynamic uh, premiere backcourt that can go oh, we can debate hey is gonna have their backcourt all that sort of stuff but at least you have the right type of weapon to go after the premier teams now and that backcourt alone can can take you pretty far and and the thing i like i know there's talk about like ball dominance and all that yeah. i do think they could pair well together though that's the thing like the the thing that's that's great about watching Jamal Murray sometimes is there's a selflessness mm-hmm. to his game because yeah he's going to dominate the ball but like Jokic he can spot up he too. can spot up right he can play off the ball uh, so I, I have less concerns about that because we've seen like a a selfless version of Jamal Murray who knows how to work off the ball and still be uh, a contributor. Yeah, and the depth players.
1: Yeah, I mentioned Brooks and, and Lou Dort, but
0: Brooks is yeah, like Brooks is the one that's getting a lot of hype. Those are physical defensive
1: yeah. players. Like you, you looked at them out there, and they they're an intimidating presence physically. And it, once the points start rolling, and you get you know, for this tournament, it's going to be SGA. Maybe in the future, it's him and Jamal Murray guys that can easily put up thirty points in an NBA game. You translate that over with. The kind of support that maybe they have, uh, you know, shouts to Kelly hmm, BC boy, putting in some big minutes for for Canada. A very good international player as well. So that's that's a good sign. Uh, this is the first game of the, of the tournament. Yeah, it's hard to make full-on determinations here. But like,
0: but it's a great start. This is a big hurdle to clear with with France and and Lebanon's coming up and uh, Latvia's coming up uh, as well. Uh, on Tuesday, but clearing the France hurdle is is pretty massive for Canada, and uh, what the long-term future looks like as well for Basketball Canada. Uh, 650-650, chime in, be part of the show. Again, uh, what we're going to do in the back end of the show is... A bit of a modified Confession Fridays and mailbag because we have the shorter show. So so whatever is on your mind, uh, send it in, 650-650. Mailbag for us, Confession Fridays, uh, which we'll do. Which, of course, reminder, always anonymous. Always anonymous. Uh, but we got a shorter show today because we're at the Nat. You can hear them setting up in the background. Uh, lots of kids uh, getting ready to enjoy uh, Vancouver versus Spokane as well. Uh, final weekend of August as well, so a chance to... Uh, Step out over to Nat Bailey Stadium. Uh, We'll see you in a bit here. Uh, Over at sportsnet.ca right now, uh, Ryan Dixon putting a piece, kind of doing the divisional previews across the NHL. And biggest question for each of the teams in the Pacific Division the one that was uh, featured was Elias Patterson. We spent the last couple of days speaking about Elias Patterson. Obviously, you don't need to go too much uh, further into detail about that. But if you had to look at this and say, you know, what are your big questions for the Canucks coming into this season? What looms? Like What will define their season? Or things have to be resolved, uh, whether in the early part of the season or just the season as a whole. What are you looking at, Izzy? For me, it starts with uh, Philip Aronick. That is the player that in a
1: lot of ways this management group. I used to look at the Benning regime Mm -hmm. and the players that they made bets on. You had Louis Erickson, Brandon Sutter, Erica Branson. Three whiffs. Those were not players that were supposed to carry the franchise. Those were supposed to be ultimate, supplementary, complementary players. And they overshot their projections of what those guys could do. They, they, You know, Louis Erickson was brought in to be a first-line winger. He was nothing close to that. Brandon Sutter was brought in really to be a 2C, maybe even a 3C, and that didn't really come to fruition, and Eric Branson was not a top-four D-man type of player. Philip Aronik needs to be either the complement for Quinn Hughes or, I think more ideally, the guy that can absolutely carry a second pair. And it's not a slam dunk. Now I feel a lot better about the bet made there than I did with those three players that I mentioned from the previous Mm -hmm. regime. But it's still a sizable ask. Can he be the guy that you feel comfortable rolling out there on a second pair that frees Quinn Quinn Hughes up to do what he does best? And I think you you look at Susie Cole, some of the depth that's been added defensively where you've got maybe a, a few more options that you did in the past. But you're not necessarily relying on Tyler Myers in the same way. And if Rona can do that, and there are questions about that. We know he had a, a very good point season in Detroit p- prior to the trade. But that's not really what you need from him. You really need him to be a consistent force that can take on a lot of minutes at 5-on-5. Five five. Sure, maybe there is a scenario where where he and Hughes play together, and I, I'd I'd like to see that. I'm not ruling that out, but for me, Beyond the obvious, you know Thatcher Demko's health and and his play being something that dictates where the Canucks are going, it's that it's that elusive second pair. Where you look at the best teams in the league, and they have that handled. They don't have any questions there. They've got top end players on their first defensive pair and then they've got really solid players on their second pair and this is a this is a big bet by this management group as we saw with the trade that they made to mm-hmm. get him right like when you start making moves like that, you, that that's when you start identifying whether or not the project is working we didn't see enough of him to, to, to get a great idea of what that's going to look like I'm willing to sit here and say hey I'm optimistic I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt But that is one of the things. Yesterday we spent a lot of time on the show talking about what does the start of the season look like. His play from the start of the Mm -hmm. season. We talked about Elias Patterson, JT Miller. To me, if Philip Hronick can anchor a pairing from the start of the season, this is a very different hockey team.
0: On July 1st, I know there was a lot of focus on, like, hey, Carson Susie, there's a bet there, obviously. And will that make a, a step? Will he take a, a step in his career and, and tear jump in his role? And there's indicators that suggest he can. There's indicators that suggest that he won't. But there's there's because he's the, the shiny new toy and there was some money spent on it, a lot of people would look at that. But you, you, you can't equate $3 million on the cap versus spending a first-round pick. And a second-round pick. It's a on big Philip asset. It, it, it is a, a huge asset chunk to to look at and say, "Hey, this player is defining what the Alvin Rutherford regime would would be." And, and you can go through this too. Like you mentioned, the the, the handful of uh, previous regime acquisitions that made and, and, and those players do define um, what they are. But like Kuzmenko wasn't a high cost of acquisition. No, so, it was just
1: smart. It, it was just a, it was a
0: smart move. It wasn't a, a big bet. Like, JT Miller is is kind of a bet because they doubled down on it. Yep. But as far as external acquisitions brought in at higher costs, yeah, Roanoke's the first one. And this one certainly stands out. For me, it's kind of part in the vein, too, of acquisitions. I, I know PK is going to be one. You can text in, what's your biggest question for the team? 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. For me, it's it's still roster management. This is still incomplete to some degree. We spent all summer talking about hey, clearing up the cap space, and I don't even mean clearing up the cap space now because it's it's almost September. We're getting ready for the season, but clearly, like part of the mandate is not just clearing out the cap space, but finding resolutions for some players: Myers, Besser, Garland. Those are the three we always talk about. Yep. In the vision of what. Patrick Alvine and Jim Rutherford are trying to build, this is still incomplete for the true vision of what they have. And we're talking about those three players alone represent 20% of, of the, the 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 cap Yeah, and the way the roster has been constructed. So even though there's expectations of, hey, they have to make the playoffs, all that sort of stuff, and they absolutely do have to make the playoffs this year, this is still a roster build that is still flowing. And I think it's going to change over the course of the season. We know with the Meyer bonus, I imagine it's going to get paid out. You're probably going to want 40, 50-some-odd games from Tyler Myers having just paid $5 million. But that's going to change what your team looks like because three to $6 million is going to open up. Now you're going to be able to make some changes thereafter. Are they going to be in sell-slash-buy mode come January, February, similar to a Filipronik deal? Yeah. Are we going to see new pieces get integrated in this season, or is that something that waits till next season? So I still feel like there's going to be roster changes. It's just a matter of when, and then we can see another layer to the Alvine vision of what this team is going to look like. That to me is still a, a big question, and there's expectations on what they have to do this season, but this is still a moving target for what this roster actually looks like and the full version of what Patrick Alvine like the the guys he wants to go to battle with. Yeah, I, I don't think we have twenty of those players just yet. I think we're at like eleven essentially.
1: Yeah. What the next domino is? Last year everything was so defined by Bo Horvat's future. Yeah. In in a way that the Elias Patterson situation is not comparable, because if if Elias Patterson wants to stick around, he will stick around. Like the Canucks will make that work. Yes. So what that next domino is, is, is fascinating. And to use Garland and Besser, the wing market is a difficult mm-hmm. one at the moment to figure out. Are our teams interested in players like them who we know that on the high end can be, you, you feel pretty comfortable having them in a top six and, 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 contributing, but the floor is quite a bit lower and finding guys that in, in some ways are luxury type players, teams are going to have to feel very confident in what they're getting from those two Myers exists in the place that he really has existed the whole time he's played for the Canucks he's really nice to have but it you never find a very comfortable roster spot for him at all times which brings me back to Hronik if Hronik comes out of the gate in those first 40-50 games he looks great and he's able to carry on a second pair. And Myers is in that role in the third pair where he doesn't have to nearly... He, he's often played third pair five on five, but ends up you know second and third in minutes mm-hmm. on the team because he plays on a bunch of different roles. He'll get used in different scenarios, different situations depending on the scoreline. If you don't have to deal with that, then you, you do open yourself up with some more possibilities of moving him. But to start the season, he is he's at least in this rosy-pictured version of the Canucks roster. Nice to have because if it doesn't go well with Hronik, and I just said for me, that's the key. So if that doesn't go well, my guess is that the season's not going to go terribly well. Myers is at least, in this version of the team, a worthy substitute.
0: Big Nazar, Israel Fair, what's your biggest question for the Canucks this upcoming season? S- uh, send in your submissions, 650-650. Get some more on the other side. We'll also chat with Gary Smith from Jacksonville.com. Get an update on the Nathan Rourke situation, uh, what the Jaguars intend to do ahead of their final preseason game, which is tomorrow at 4 o'clock, so you'll get another chance to watch uh, Nathan Rourke in a Jaguars uniform tomorrow, but we'll uh, chat with Gary as well. You can get your submissions in as well for the mailbag Friday, also Confession Friday. We'll do that in the final segment of the show. Nazar, Israel Fair, live on location at Nat Bailey Stadium, getting ready for a nooner at the Nat. Supplies getting set up for all the concessions, everything. Everyone's getting ready. Smiles on the face uh, for another Friday nooner. So come on by, get your tickets for the Canadians versus Spokane later today. Tyler Zickel will have the call. At 1 o'clock on our airwaves, uh, Canadians pitcher as well, Adam Mako, will join us in about uh, 35 minutes at the top of uh, the noon hour. It's all coming up here. People's Show, Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to the show. It's the People's Show on location today in the portable Kintech studio at Nat Bailey Stadium. Festivities getting ready to uh, kick off shortly. Doors open in about a half hour. Canadians versus Spokane today. Tyler Zickel will have the call on our airwaves later today at 1 o'clock. We'll chat with Adam Mako, Canadians pitcher, in a half hour how his season is going how the canadian season is going what's working for him it's all on the way at the top of the hour you still got time to come on by check out a canadians game canadiansbaseball.com you want to check out the tickets as uh, the season's coming to a close soon but uh playoffs time. though playoffs, playoffs so, yeah yeah the, the regular season's coming close close soon but uh they got playoffs on the horizon unlike the uh, blue jays potentially It's like a coin flip, coin flip proposition that they make it. I heard Blake Murphy earlier on Jay's Talk Plus. Was it 58%, 59%? It's uh, it's cratering. Tough reality, tough reality. But we'll get into that uh, in just a little bit. Uh, We'll also talk with uh, Gary Smith in just a moment here from Jacksonville.com, who joins us now. Uh, Gary, how are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Uh, Thank you for doing this. Uh, Excited to to, to chat to you because it's been – for for us here in Vancouver, uh, a lot of BC Lions fans obviously keeping an eye on Jaguars preseason as a, you know, not just because hey th- there's an interest in Nathan Rourke, but he's become a bit of a viral sensation in the NFL with uh, making some big plays. Uh, so what's been the impression of him coming into camp, and how has that uh, changed over the course of a couple of weeks of preseason? Well, the backstory this is the
2: Jaguars uh, when it, when he actually was signed, everybody was. Scrambling to you know CFL websites and the uh, and the and the Lions website, here are trying to get as much biographical information as we could on Nathan, and of course to Ohio's, Ohio University's uh, stats. And uh, uh, but he uh, he was he was in demand after that season. He had the 10 game season before he got hurt, and he I mean he just was playing lights out, as you all know. Uh, it attracted some attention from NFL scouts. And Nathan told me at one point in camp that when he was rehabbing his uh, uh, foot, he had gotten, uh, I think the number of calls from NFL teams had gotten up to about 11 or 12. And he said the Jaguars uh, made contact with his agent uh, earlier than anybody and kind of stayed with him and weren't scared off by the foot injury. It was similar to the one that Tra- Jaguars running back Travis Etienne had that cost him his entire rookie season. So they were confident in the, uh, the the treatment program and the rehab he was doing, and they wanted to sign him anyway. So uh, uh, the uh, the Jaguars kind of knew what, knew what they were getting before anybody else did. That said, the Jaguars are going to have a dilemma next week on Tuesday on cut-down day because according to the NFL rules, uh, if you want to keep three quarterbacks on a roster, obviously that counts against your 53-man roster. Usually teams will keep two on the roster, one on the practice squad. But for them to keep Trevor Lawrence and C.J. Beathard and then have Nathan on the practice squad, they're going to have to waive Nathan. Nathan's going to have to clear waivers. And the teams claim players in the draft order, which means the Chicago Bears have the first pick. I can't imagine the backups behind Justin Fields with Chicago are pretty lame. Uh, You've got Nathan Peterman, who's just a career NFL backup, nothing special. Uh, Philip Walker and Tyson be- began, and none of those guys have lit up the preseason the way Nathan has. So, uh, you know, I-, I can see the Bears making a move. The Jaguars are going to be holding their breath if they if they go in that direction, because I know they want to keep Nathan. But you know what? The Jaguars are also an organization that, uh, under Doug Peterson and Trent Bauke, that they have a sense of uh, uh, caring about players in one direction. And if Nathan got an opportunity to play and he was picked up on waivers in a minute, the Jaguars would be pretty pretty happy for him unless they come back and beat him one day. <laughs> then then they wouldn't be. Uh, but I think he's sitting in a really good position. Now, He's got. To, I guess he and his agent have to have the conversation. Do I want to be the third-team quarterback for the Jaguars to spend the season on the practice squad? And, oh, by the way, even if you somehow got elevated to the second-team quarterback, uh, C.J. Beathard, are you ever going to supplant Trevor Lawrence? You know, I, I, I don't think so. If Trevor, if Trevor Lawrence barring injury continues to be the quarterback that the Jaguars believe he is, that's a generational talent. So, uh, I, I think there is a feeling, uh, at, at the uh, stadium that Nathan's future may lay elsewhere and they'd be very happy for him if he wound up somewhere and wound up uh, playing. That said, they'd be more than happy to have him back on the team, uh, as the third-teamer for right now.
1: When Rourke signed with Jacksonville, there were people locally that were a little surprised because Trevor Lawrence is there. There wasn't necessarily a straight line to not even just a starting job but a backup job as we're seeing in the situation Mm -hmm. here. But it seemed to me pretty clear that he picked a team where if he got an opportunity in preseason, as he has, that they would be putting him in a position for him to to spotlight his talent in watching him last season with the BC Lions it was pretty obvious that he had some pretty high NFL skills. What is it about what the Jacksonville Jaguars have built offensively? We saw it certainly at times last year with Trevor Lawrence where that would be an attractive spot for a quarterback in Nathan Rourke's position to go to, even if it's far from certain that even next week he'll be on the roster, but getting that opportunity to play in that offense even in preseason.
2: See, I agree with you in this sense, and I think Nathan is playing a long game here. Uh, with this, with this future, he mentioned Doug Peterson's uh, system and how much fun it is to be a quarterback. Uh, you know, there's multiple options on almost every play. It, they, it, it, you could, they could run Trevor Lawrence a little bit more, but they, they don't want to. But Nathan uh, has been, uh, you know, both in practice and in the preseason games. Uh, they don't mind if he runs around a little bit, uh, but there are. Uh, uh, plays and options for quarterbacks to be mobile in Doug Peterson's system. And it's such a diverse system with the creative use of the tight ends, H-backs, no back, uh, zero back, uh, back backfields, five wides, things like that. Uh, You you have uh, two and sometimes three wide receivers in the game at the same time. Uh, A lot of jet sweeps and a lot of counters off of that jet sweep. So I I think Nathan – Uh, if if his intention was to come here and expand his skills and show how versatile he could be, I I think mission accomplished. There's a lot of – NFL teams have a lot of tape on Nathan Rourke right now with those two preseason games. And just a couple of stats on that. He hasn't hasn't had a turnover, which is pretty good in preseason games considering, you know, you play in the second half and, uh, you know, things kind of can get a little bit sloppy. Uh, there hasn't been a whole lot of offensive, uh, penalties, at least in this past game against Detroit. He's, uh, completed 65% of his passes. He's got a quarterback rating. The NFL has a quarterback rating that emphasizes your completion percentage, your touchdowns versus interceptions, and your passing yardage. And his is 107.54. Anything above 90 is considered good in the NFL. And, and he's for those two games 107.54. So, uh, if the object was to showcase his skills even more than he did in the CFL with British Columbia, then I, I, I think he's absolutely done that.
0: We also touched on, like, the, the Trevor Lawrence impact, but, you know, what has C.J. Beathard done uh, in relation to Nathan Ork? Why it, it's been you – know, because they announced that he was the backup last week uh, and he won the number two job. What has stood out between that battle between them two that made it so obvious that uh, C.J. was going to win it out over Nathan?
2: Well, if you're talking about just the preseason games, I think it's clear that Nathan has played better than C.J. Nathan, however, you've got to admit he's going against defenses, going against players who are going to be cut or on practice Mm squads or are not going to be starting so, uh, because C.J. started last week's game in the first half, uh, he saw, you know, and the Lions didn't play uh, very many of their defensive starters, if any at all, but he still saw a lot of their second-teamers. Nathan saw more of their, their third-teamers and, and potential practice squad guys. Uh, C.J. has 500 snaps, regular season snaps in the NFL, and he's got uh, uh, five or six years of experience in being uh, with a couple of uh, pretty good offensive-minded coaches, and in practice, in practice, he has performed at a slightly higher level uh, than Nathan in the 11-on-11 11 11 periods and the 7-on-7 seven seven periods that they, that is common during, during training camp. Uh, they both played pretty well. So NFL coaches are, even a guy like Doug Peterson, who's a little bit more open-minded about personnel and about how to use them, NFL coaches uh, are, they tend to rely on the experience, and they rely on what they see in practice, possibly more than what they see in the preseason games. And uh, uh, and CJ sees a lot of snaps against the Jag- Jaguars' first team defense in practice, and the Jaguars believe that they're very much improved on defense. So that could be it. But I think it. I think it boils down to one simple stat: 500 NFL snaps for CJ with the 49ers and the Jaguars, and none for Nathan Rourke in the regular season. And I think it's that simple.
0: Talking to Gary Smith from Jacksonville dot com about uh, the Jaguars and Nathan Rourke, I-, I do know that the NFL has like uh, made this change to implement a, a third QB rule, and-, and maybe we take a bit of a myopic view from afar to say, "Hey, it's between Bethard and Rourke." But is there a chance like Rourke could be inactive but still make the the the, the team, and is he then competing against like the fifty second, fifty third guys on the roster?
2: Well, they are going to have – there is a rule, that, and they, they, they had this a few years ago. They got away from it. Now they're yeah. going back where you can activate all three quarterbacks and it won't count against your game day roster. So Nathan could suit up and, and be available. And what happened to the 49ers last year, uh, you know, in the playoffs where they wind up playing Brock, Brock Purdy, who, by the way, uh, maybe a little bit of a lesson here, Brock Purdy was, was you know, kind of uh, the Nathan Rourke on the 49ers last year. And the injuries piled up, and now he's been named the starting quarterback of the 49ers, And now they're trying to tra- get rid of Trey Lance, uh, you know, because they have kind of given up on him. So uh, it only takes a couple of injuries here and there, and and, and some some uh, somebody else's misfortune can be can be can be a guy's opportunity. And uh, so I, I think if he does come back, uh, I, I I mean there's nothing. There's, it's not going to hurt him. To keep Nathan active, and uh, uh, I, I do believe that that's what will happen. And it's what you know. If the NFL passes a rule, I think coaches are going to take advantage of it.
1: So that that's what you think is going to happen, Gary? That yes, they, they'll be able to take advantage of the the roster rule. Keep yeah. work because the the risk of him on waivers, as you mentioned earlier, a team like well, Chicago. no, the problem no, he's
2: still got to clear waivers because the only okay. guys if
1: you cut somebody,
2: the only guys who are immune from waivers are players who have been in the league for four years or more. Okay. Uh, and and you can protect those guys. And uh, you also have to, once you're on a practice squad, an NFL team can sign anybody on your practice squad, mm-hmm. but you're also you're, 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 you're protected if you've been in four years longer or you can designate four guys at the beginning of the week that teams can't sign. And, uh, you know, it's, it's entirely possible. It's entirely possible. That, that during midseason, Nathan could be signed off the Jaguars practice squad by, by another team. Uh, so, you know, the opportunities are there, uh, you know, it, it's just a matter of how much uh, uh, patience he wants to have. And the couple of conversations I've had with him, you know, he seems to, to know what he wants to do. He seems to accept what his current situation is now. But he did speak of putting, putting stuff on tape, of, of wanting to show other NFL teams uh what he's capable of in the future. And uh, you know, I've seen a lot I see a lot of bad quarterbacking in the NFL. <laughs> and I can tell you right now I can tell you right now that if you took you know, theoretically thirty two NFL teams, three quarterbacks, okay? Sixty six quarterbacks. I get a dog on T Nathan Rourke is not the sixty fifth or sixty sixth best quarterback in the NFL sure. under those circumstances. He's more like in the forties you know, borderline uh, second team for anybody. And uh, I I think he's smart enough, and I think he's operated uh, long enough. He's gotten an OTA uh, mandatory minicamp and now full training camp with Doug Peterson. And Doug Peterson is very, very good about developing quarterbacks. He took Carson Wentz from South Dakota State, almost made him an MVP, and the guy won a Super Bowl with a backup who – Played the last three games of the regular season that year, and all all three playoff games to get into the Super Bowl. So uh, I, I think Nathan Rourke is benefiting from from being under Doug Peterson and a very good quarterback coach of Mike McCoy. And uh, you know his future may not be with the Jaguars, but I, I think this is a guy who we're going to see playing and starting in the NFL at some point.
1: Rourke's been a ton of fun to watch and uh, he's taken advantage of this opportunity but certainly for the Jags uh, this season is one that they, they want Trevor Lawrence healthy in playing at a high level. What's your expectation for, for Jacksonville overall this season coming off of a season where they were a little bit of a surprise and late in the year people really started to like them. They were kind of a, of a dark horse team as we got toward the mm-hmm. playoffs. What are the expectations for them this year locally? Well,
2: of course, every fan, all fans have unreasonable expectations, and I think some of the some of the media, uh, you know, you know it, it may be falling into a little bit of a trap. You hear predictions of records like thirteen and four. I think, you know, you got to put the brakes on that. They went nine and eight. Yeah, they got off to a bad start, but they were they were still kind of getting adjusted to Doug Peterson's system. And by the way, the, the third coach, and if you count an interim coach,
0: mm-hmm.
2: the, the fourth coach in three or four years for the team and uh they won some close games they you know they won, you know overtime against the Cowboys with a deflected interception uh you know they had to hope that Justin Tucker missed a field goal against the Ravens obviously not very many teams come back from 27 nothing down in the playoffs like they did um, but they could still have a better team at about the same record 9 and 8 10 and 7 that should be good enough to win the AFC South or get a wild card at 13, 13 wins that I've seen one for there I think that's a little bit uh, too much especially since they're playing uh, Kansas City Buffalo Baltimore Pittsburgh uh, you know they they're, they're uh, uh, you know San Francisco is on the schedule so uh, it's it's a pretty tough schedule I think it's tougher than some people think it is and uh, uh, but I would personally maybe put my money more on, on a 10 and seven season
0: their defense, to me, is kind of an interesting look because it feels like they're betting on a lot of internal improvement with you know Trayvon Walker and, and a couple other young guys uh, ready to take a step. But it is, that AFC is just so loaded. You're against a good quarterback every single week. Um, mm-hmm. Is this defense ready to kind of live up to a certain standard that not to match what the offense is doing but certainly be a complementary factor to, to them winning games?
2: If they can get Devon Hamilton back, defensive tackle, who's been out for about a week or so with a non-football-related back injury that's kind of been very mysterious, but he's supposed to be back in the building next week. Uh, and and he had a very good training camp. Uh, Jeremiah Ledbetter played very well in his place. And then, uh, you know, they're, they're, they also uh, have Holy Fatakasi, who's very good on the interior. He's got a little bit of an injured foot. They don't have that one pass rusher, but they're very good in the interior. And last year they got some sacks because the interior got the push, open things up from the outside. Plus, because they don't have uh, a, a, a Caleb on Thibodeau, or they don't have, um, uh, you know, somebody that's that's just a guaranteed twelve, fifteen sack mm-hmm. guy. They get creative and they do some corner blitzes, safety blitzes, linebacker blitzes. I think linebacker Devin Lloyd might be very good in that regard. So I think they're going to get some sacks. I think they would, they would get a number that would be, you know, in the middle of range, but they're not going to get that one guy that's got eight or ten. Uh, they really would wish Josh Allen, outside linebacker, would uh, play a little bit, start living up to what he did as a rookie. He led the NFL, NFL rookies in sacks in 2019, but that was when Calais Campbell was still pretty effective on the other side. And teams are spending so much time, attention, to, on camp, uh, Calais Campbell that uh, Josh is getting through in there. I think the secondary very good. Tyson Campbell's had a good camp. So I think the defense is going to be a little bit better than last year. Uh, if and, and I think people are getting too fixated on them not having that one really good pass rusher. But, you know, they're like that quarterbacks, you know. There aren't 32 good NFL quarterbacks, and there aren't right. 32 really good edge rushers. You know, it's true. Really hard to find, uh, and, but I think they're also settled into a system under Mike Caldwell, who was an NFL linebacker for 11 years. He kind of knows, uh, what it, what it feels like in there. But, uh, I, I, and the defense did a little bit better on getting turnovers, uh, last year than the year before. Uh, so I, I think the defense will be better if people don't get fixated on having that one edge rusher. They didn't address it really in the draft. Uh, They're hoping that Trayvon Walker will come through, but tomorrow more Trayvon Walker. It looks like he's going to be more of a hands-on-the-ground guy, and uh, uh, we'll see. He's a great football player. He's got marvelous physical skills, and he he, nobody works harder than he does. But uh, you know, he didn't have very many sacks at Georgia, and they said, "Well, they moved him around a lot." Well. They, the Jaguars kept him in that one position, and he underachieved a little bit last year. So we'll have to see.
0: Hey, Gary, this was uh, fantastic. Appreciate the time. And uh, if, if there's a, a fun roster announcement on Tuesday, uh, maybe we can actually hear pretty soon talking about Jaguars football and Nathan Rourke. Yeah, sure, no
2: problem. And I've I got to say for the folks up there, Nathan Rourke has been a, has been a, a pleasure. The fans love him. He's, he's just a really, really good guy. And uh, I, I had one fan tell me, he says, you know what, we should we should get more of these guys from Canada if, if they're <laughs> if they're all like this.
0: Right on. Uh, it's at G Smitter on Twitter if you want to give him a follow. Uh, covers the the Jaguars for Jacksonville dot com. Gary, appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the rest of the uh, preseason. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Gary. It's Gary Smith's uh, joining us here from Jacksonville.com. I praise for Nathan Rourke. That's awesome. Again, it was it was always going to be an interesting battle, right? The the, the Beathard versus uh, Rourke. And, you know, contractually, you know, Beathard's got a two-year deal, so there, there's a there's a bit there and what that means for the cap. and There are always kind of, going to be hurdles roster-wise. I always liked the spot that he picked, and he mentioned it there, just going for a coach. I loved it. Yeah, I, I thought it was such a smart spot. I, I know there's not the immediate pathway to, to a starting spot or even the backup spot, but because Doug Peterson's not going anywhere for a while— thought it was such a great selection to, to go to Jacksonville. You know, he, like, he's going to be married with Trevor Lawrence, so they're going to make that work for as long as they can before they make a coaching change. But now you can sit there and develop, and you just heard from Gary, just like you gone out there, you put tape on, and you know Tuesday's going to be an interesting day to see what happens. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, he said that if you were just doing the eye test off
1: of preseason, mm-hmm. Rourke is probably deserving of a backup conversation. And because of cap. In roster rules, it's not quite that simple. And ultimately, it comes down to zero NFL games. Mm -hmm. So prior to this, he had zero NFL preseason games, right? Now he's got these games on tape that are going to make that difference, that are going to push him toward maybe getting an opportunity to, to play live regular season NFL games. So really, really cool to watch. Very cool to see what we saw last summer in BC prior to the injury where he was doing stuff on a CFL field that quite frankly, we hadn't seen in a really long time that he's taken advantage of this opportunity. And yeah, on the surface, it seemed like an unorthodox one. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's really awesome that he showed some foresight in that decision. Right. And said, Hey, like you said, Vic, picking a coach, picking an offense that was going to show what he could do, and when you're getting people like Patrick Mahomes reacting to your highlights in preseason, <laughs> yeah. like, that's awesome. <laughs> that that that's that's very well done. But also, like, it's it's more than just going viral and getting people talking about you on social media. There seems to be some real tangible stuff here because of the decision that he made. It, it's it's
0: a clip that goes viral, but it's not like one play amongst a sea of wrongdoings and struggles, right? It's can you provide a highlight amidst consistency and functional play and uh, by all accounts, Nathan Orick's uh, been doing that down in Jacksonville, and you know, for for an exciting team, they they made a calculated risk uh, bringing in Calvin Ridley. Uh, kind of ran out of time with Gary there; we had to let him go. But you know, th- that that's an interesting dynamic too for a player who's barely played in two years. Of years. Yeah, Calvin Ridley coming back from the fold. But if if he's running at maximum power, like that's a true blue number one receiver. For a team that's already got a Christian Kirk, we were talking about earlier with the, the QB uh, pass catcher duo. Or yeah, combos. you had him high. I had him high because like, Top Chris, five. like Christian Kirk can own his role as a slot player. Evan Ingram had a breakout season. They re-sign him. They bring him back. And then you throw in Calvin Ridley. If, I'm not saying he's got to be the best number one wide receiver. If he just meets a threshold of competency for that role, he could be the worst number one receiver. But you're still a number one receiver. That's that's the key. Um it's it, it just going to open up spaces for uh, Christian Kirk and what that offense could be. And, and Travis Etienne, someone a lot of people are excited about, obviously for fantasy reasons, but certain someone, someone that can feature with his explosiveness in the past game uh, could be an exciting team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's interesting, though, because you kind of mentioned like what success looks like for them. They won a playoff game yep. last year. And is it now you got to win two, got to get to the championship game. Man, that is tough. And if they so they, w- they
1: just came on strong last year yeah right?
0: and it, it's almost like you're, you're now a a kind of like an enemy of the success that you had last year because it'd be different if you like lost the playoff game and are like hey we made the playoffs though and now fans are always gonna expect the next thing the next step I think even just winning one playoff game is a successful season but it's it's static yeah you, you know there's no growth there. well the
1: focus is on I think Lawrence yeah right what kind of step is there. If, if he takes a step but it's the same result or even a lesser result, you're probably still okay with that long term.
0: Well, we'll get into actually some uh, QBs who might tear jump later on in the show as well. But on the other side, we'll uh, get ready for a nooner at the Nat. Adam Macko will join us here in a handful of minutes here. We'll be back in a minute on The People Show, Sportsnet 650.